Welcome back, crybabies. Um, I say crybabies almost to you too, the listener, because today it's just me and MK. Mm. Yosh here. So the plural isn't all my multitudes, it's me and the listener. It's all of us, mm. um, you know, pushing from all sides the effort. <laughs> um, we're back to talk about the fall anime from 2021, falling back to discuss the season that has just passed. Um, Already feels like a lifetime ago as we enter winter 2022. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of just the nature of these last couple years. But we're going to get into some of the fall anime that we watched. And if we have a little time, maybe touch winter a little bit. Yeah, a little sneak peek. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess I'll start off with something that is a little bit of like a, a bridge between two seasons. Demon Slayer uh, released the Mugen Train arc, uh, which was only seven episodes long, and it basically broke down the movie that had come out earlier in the year into an episodic arc, and it, you know, added a little bit here and there. Um, Unless you've been living under a rock, I assume you know what Demon Slayer is, Um, and it kind of hit the mark. It was pretty. It was uh, intense. uh, It was tragic i cried again watching it um and it was nice that it gave a little extra uh background and backstory and the like a couple extra scenes here and there that the movie didn't have um i would say that uh you know if you really loved the movie you should definitely watch this because you you get more and i think the pacing is a bit nicer However, if you weren't that into the movie, you definitely don't need to watch this in order to go from season one to season two. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what a way to bridge between seasons, but not with a train, um, <laughs> you know, transporting us. Um, I have only seen the first episode of Demon Slayer and the movie. So basically all the most upsetting, tragic parts of the show. Maybe. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I have only seen these. However, what I do know that at least I felt was lacking just as an outsider is that in the movie, the the flame hair guy uh, felt a little underdeveloped, felt a little flat. And honestly, he kind of annoyed me a little in the movie. Um, I forget what it was exactly when he was just like eating and he was just like, like delicious yeah. or like whatever. He just kept repeating yeah. himself. I'm like, this guy's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> um, but uh, it seems like if you can kind of expand it out, then you can get more development. Of the yeah, you, I definitely think you get um, he feels a little more dimensional in mm. the show. And I don't know if that's just because of the spacing and like the pacing or if I mean there were actually additional scenes but I don't know how much of it is just my brain going yes he feels more fleshed out or it actually happened um kind of reminds me of how they do the Dragon Ball Z super the last couple movies they've had in theaters have been kind of condensed arcs in Mm -hmm. film form and it's interesting because I feel like it's a pretty common thing to take a a show and make a movie version of it especially if you're trying to like catch people up or, or make something where it's like if all of a sudden a series got really popular it's like oh here's a little movie to like catch you up so you don't have to spend all that time watching the show so it's kind of funny that they like did it in opposite order here i haven't done my research on it but i would love to know like the thought process there if it was, if it just did so well they're like why not yeah and speaking of dragon ball z or dragon ball but the upcoming movie looks trash animation. Oh, it's yeah, it's the very uh, 3D. Looks like uh, Budokai. Like they, they took one of the games and just turned it into it a movie. It does look like the cutscenes from the fighting game. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, take that for whatever. But the, the one with the cat wasn't like that, right? The purple cat god? Oh, uh, Beerus? No. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's the thing is that I've, you know, for the... 30, 40 years the Dragon Ball has been on this planet and it's different iterations. This movie is the first that seems like a severe departure in style. Mm. Um, well, let's hope that doesn't hurt the uh, 
substance. They're really a Toei the line. Oh, that no. Oh, yeah. oh, no. Oh, no. I did it. I did it. You um, did it. Come for me, Toei. I don't care. Um, <laughs> they do. They do. They, they do. They do come for people, actually. So they, redacted, redacted. <laughs> yeah, redoked. Um, yeah. So Demon Slayer. I, I enjoyed the movie, and it seems like the show is an expanded version, so probably more to love. Yeah, and uh, I believe it's both on Crunchyroll and Funimation, so get your fill because the Entertainment District arc, which is season two, is airing currently. Next, I'm going to talk about Taisho Otome Fairy Tale. It was a manga adaptation, and it's like this historical romance, uh, as maybe you can tell from the title, Taisho being the Taisho era, which was like the early 1900s into like the late 1920s. Um and this in particular, I believe, took place in the early 1920s. Um, it's a it's a cute, fluffy romance. Um, you know, there's a little bit of drama, a little bit of tragedy, uh, making friends, emotional growth. It's pretty surface level. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but it's it doesn't feel like one I'm going to necessarily remember. And it definitely did that thing where it put all of the pressure and emotional weight and um labor like emotional labor and and house labor on this like tiny small girl main character and it was kind of one of those like the the boy is dejected and sad and depressed and she's the ray of sunshine that comes into his life and he learns that life is worth living again and it's kind of one of you know it's it's generic but sweet um so if that's like your jam, I would definitely say it's it's enjoyable, but um it's not going to like I don't think I'm returning to this one. And then next we have Blue Period, which is another manga adaptation. We lot we watched a lot of adaptations this season, not so many originals. Mhm. Yeah. Um this was a Netflix release, um a weekly one. Netflix, um, yay, weekly. Yeah. They um, listened. Prison Abolition now includes Netflix Jail. This this show, um, as well as another that we'll get to, uh, we're releasing weekly instead of, you know, the normal practice that they were doing where they would wait until it's done releasing and then put it all out at the same time. Yeah, I'm assuming Netflix got into the anime game because they saw dollar signs without really realizing what anime fans wanted. So I'm glad that they are listening and being like, oh, you want to watch it simultaneously as the releasing in Japan. All right, well, here you go, which thank goodness for that. I remember first hearing about this series uh, from an artist that I follow on Instagram, uh, the artist Little Thunder, based in Hong Kong. Um, saw her post about it, and you've read the manga, or at least up to a certain point. Uh, yeah, I've read the first four volumes of yeah. the manga. Um, so I kind of went into it blind, but I really enjoyed the show. I think that, um, especially, you know, you, you've gone to art school, but I was um, in somewhat of the outsider boat hanging out with art school kids. And I think in that, I kind of sympathize with the main characters, um, some of his thought processes <laughs> um, and the sort of uh, self-doubt and like how he's putting himself down and comparing himself to others. Um you know, I, I think that someone who was not an artist hanging out with art school kids, I always felt like, oh, well, they're the talented ones. I'm, I don't work hard or only, like I would have to work really hard to get to where they naturally get to and that sort of thing. Um, and as as a, an artist who has been drawing ever since I could pick up a pencil, that is some of the most frustrating um, attitudes people can have toward uh, like people who are talented in their um practices because I think no matter what you do if you have a craft and you're good at it there are very few people who are just like naturally good at something like most people are hard workers and have practiced to get to where they are and the thing is you just haven't seen that and you know this main character comes into art as a high school senior or junior and most of the other characters have been making art their whole life so it's like understandable that he's comparing himself to them but at the same time it's very rude to just assume that that talent comes naturally. And I think that like they get to that point multiple times throughout the whole series, but never like make 
they they never like make the full connection to be like and there's an understandable reason for this and maybe i'm being rude by just assuming these people are naturally gifted and not also working hard because they spend so much stock on how hard of a worker he is which is important but it's like you can't deny other people might be like that i think the one hope for that is that they even though they never really explicitly tell him he's wrong they always show the people he's talking to and he says that kind of give like a wince yeah when he says the you're gifted and they're like no but he still hasn't come to that conclusion and you know mm-hmm. it's you know this is the first season so there's a lot of room for growth for his character but you know i think um as far as i understand like was it uh the relationship and like how how he handles uh like the friend yuka wasn't that part of the issue that you were having yeah i think so what I what I liked about the manga was I liked how much it went into the technicalities of art making and how it, it kind of felt like when you read a sports manga, how it's like, now we're going to tell you about all the rules of the sport. Like it felt like that, but for art, which was really cool because I hadn't like seen that before. Um, and then that I think is what kept me reading the manga, but I ended up dropping it because I just wasn't happy with the pacing of the character development of really anybody the main character like he grew artistically but he stayed pretty stagnant emotionally and in his relationships with others at least for the first four volumes now you know the anime push like goes further than that and maybe I will pick up the manga again because now that I know kind of where it goes but um, I think the anime just focused a little too much on his internal dialogue that was very repetitive and cyclical and at times toxic, which is realistic, but not the most entertaining thing to watch. And I think that the way that he treated his friend Yuka, um, you know, and friend is kind of like question mark there. I guess they were, they hung out as kids, but then um, in the manga yuka got very little like development as well so it was like i understand that this is like the main character ignoring a friend is kind of a part of the plot but i don't know we could have seen what yuka was up to outside of his perspective so i i just like i, I didn't love how they handled well, um, that he the never, relationships never uses the name they're asking to be called yeah continues to call yuka by by their like given birth name which you know is it's like, I feel like he just makes assumptions about everyone all the time instead of just asking. And it's like, if everyone else is calling this person Yuka, wouldn't you be like, hey, buddy, do you want me to call you that too? Or I'm just going to keep calling you by your like masculine name, even though you clearly aren't presenting male. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, yeah. And they never talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I also, um, you know, where this show kind of comes a little short in the way that, uh, Yaguchi and and Yuka have their sort of understanding of each other in the way that it's reflected. I think that the next show we're going to talk about handles it, I I would say, much better. Um, Ooh, another Netflix show. Yeah, um, another one that they had been releasing weekly. Um, And that is Comey Can't Communicate. Consonants, consonants, consonants. Um, it's a little play on words there and um, call me by your name Um, (laughs) I think this one I would just say that one of the main characters in this is also kind of like a non-binary in between worlds sort of person but I just think that the that they give a, a lot more fleshed out development one of the supporting characters that they're not like relegated to this court it's sort of like you're only around when we need you for the plot Well, and I also think that, like, so Komi Can't Communicate, you know, it's another manga adaptation. It's sort of like a school slice of life, like, maybe romance a little bit. There's flirting, coming of age story. And um, it, I think, doesn't go into, like, their character development isn't necessarily as based in, like, the trauma or the pressure or the expectations. It's a much lighter show. And I think that one thing that happens a lot with queer characters is they get a lot of tragedy put on them. Um, And that doesn't happen with this character, at least not yet. And that's very refreshing. (laughs) It's refreshing to just have a a queer or non-binary character just get to have fun and 
I mean, they're playful. There's definitely jokes around and about their gender identity, but it never feels like it's coming from a bad place. And they're also like a really good character. Like they're yeah. awesome. So it it feels um, just it feels better in my heart. Yeah. But I think more broadly, this show is about anxiety. It's about, um, you know, uh, similarly, uh setting up false expectations of other people, putting other people mm -hmm. on pedestals, um, and sort of like the disconnects between expectation and reality. Um, and I've read the first couple volumes of the manga, and I think that the show, um, same director as Children of the Sea, by the way, uh, check out a previous episode of the podcast um, where we talk about that, but they bring that sort of level of... Uh, bringing the beauty out in the animation. Mm -hmm. I think that like the, the manga's fun, but the show adds a different layer of aesthetic that the manga kind of lacks. Um, oh, that's but they, interesting. Yeah. Because yeah, it's gorgeous, but I haven't read the manga, but like I, the just the animation and the visuals and like the small little flourishes in this are gorgeous. The, yeah, the manga's a little more... Uh, I mean, it's 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 it, the manga feels much more comedy where this kind of like feels like it opens up a little more room for the drama romance stuff because mm. um, I would not call this a drama. There's no there's very, very little, um, you know, though it deals with like issues that are that cause people problems. It's very much framed in like a lighter, fun, let's get over it together kind of thing. Um well, and I also think that uh, similar to how like the queer character is handled um, or the gender queer character is handled, this handles anxiety in a really refreshing way as well. Um, I think that it is very kind in understanding um, of the anxiety and also how I feel like usually when you have a socially awkward character in a show, they are usually like also drawn to be a little plainer. And in this show, you have this very beautiful person to the point that like she's put up on a pedestal. You know, she has social anxiety already. And then she's further isolated because people separate themselves. They're like referring to her as a god or like the idol of the school. And so that makes it even harder for her to connect. And it really does such a good job while simultaneously being super goofy. It's also very um, focused on the small subtleties of the way that like social interactions can be seen from two perspectives to be two very different interactions and how those miscommunications can lead to the anxiety um, of interacting with other people. And it's just such a kind show. Like it mm. handles all of these um, these issues in a really beautiful way where she's both accepted and the characters around her are like understanding, but they also push her outside of her comfort zone, which is like how you grow. So I really, I really appreciate that it's like not to the point of like abusing her, like to get her to to be more socially normal um, or adapted. Uh, but at the same time allows her to grow at her own pace. Whether you're being worshipped on a pedestal or people are avoiding you just out of fear, either way it results in people being distant from her mm -hmm. and she's trying to bridge, like close that gap. Yeah, because the, the kind of uh, theme of the show is she wants to make 100 friends. So it's like the... Um, uh, safe for work version of Yamada's first time where she's just trying to sleep with a hundred guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I think that this one's definitely like, uh, it reminds me also of Love is War. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a very similar tone to Love is War, especially it's, the absurdity. Yeah. The humor's fast. Sometimes there's a lot of abrupt cuts. There's a lot of like pauses with a narrator for explanation um, I think they do a lot of that kind of play up, which will be good for the spring because Love is War and Comey will be coming out at the same time. That's right. Comey's getting a season two. And Love is War season three. Oh, that's going to be exciting. That's going to be so much. It's going to be LOL. Lots of laughs. It better cure my seasonal depression. It's going to be I spring anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect timing. Yeah. Comey. I would recommend it. I really enjoyed it. Um, Absolutely. Big recommend. I think, especially while I'm waiting for more Nagatoro, I have to have <laughs> my other sort of a 
doki doki fun high school <laughs> uh, playful romance shows. Yeah, and also just shout out to the um, animation in the OP. It was very beautiful. Yeah, I part of me wishes the whole show was done like the OP. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little I, more stylized. I, yeah, I love the style of it so much. But uh, I'd be curious to hear interviews with the voice actress for Comey. Like oh, yeah. what that role is like because so much of the talking is just like just, breathing yeah and just like little expressions that aren't words that um curious how that went i hope that was she like, wasn't paid by word hopefully not <laughs> um but uh yeah comey can't communicate uh next up we're gonna talk about uh tact opus destiny um it's stylized as tact op destiny but it's pronounced opus um an opus being like a body of work in music. Uh, this one is uh, from Mappa and Madhouse. Um, oh, this is an original. There you go. Most of the other ones are adaptations, but here's an original. It's a action adventure uh, set in the future, the near future, 2047, where some like alien monsters have come to Earth and they hate music. So music is banned because these monsters attack if they hear music. Um, it's very gorgeous. It looks like they just clicked and dragged a zero two and the boy from Darling and the Franks into this show and no, gave her a haircut. No, no. <laughs> uh, but hey, you know that's. I think that's that that happens fairly often. Characters are designed similarly. Very but. different personalities, however. Okay. Um, this character is very like robotic. Um. Mm. And it, it's cute because she over the show kind of develops a personality and and, and that aspect of it's really sweet. Um, Darling. And she loves sweets. She eats a lot of sweets. Mm. Um, and yeah, it kind of has like a magical girl looking vibe because like she transforms into this really fun. Um, it, it almost reminds me of like Saika from uh, uh, Monica, Monica Magica because of the music themed mm. uh, magical girl outfits. But yeah, this one was, I mean, you know, Mappa and Madhouse. It was gorgeous, really well animated. I really liked the monster design. Um, and it was one of those. Uh, Is he it, missing an arm? Yeah, yes. So okay. yes. I just noticed that looking at the uh, poster that the the other sleeve is kind of flapping out there so it's his arm disappears when she transforms oh but it comes back when she goes back to her normal mode it's wow. like a, yeah <laughs> um, okay it's it's interesting uh the thing about this one however i'm always a sucker for stories that are like you know if, if it's like a japanese story but it takes place in america especially like western u.s i they're always so charming um and this is like they adventure across america and it's it's cute but it's a little a little uh you know shallow it's a lot of icing not much cake um phone game yeah yeah that's the other thing too is it's essentially a really fancy advertisement for a phone game but they're releasing a phone game this year that I think continues off the plot of the anime. So I don't know if this is getting another season or not, but I think it's meant to lead into the events that take place in this uh, game. Give you emotional attachment to mm-hmm. the characters on the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Tact Opus Destiny. Um, really pretty if you're into nice fighting scenes um, and colors. Yeah. Um, talking about a nice pretty um now this there's a lot of grotesque in the show um that's coming up now we're going to talk about one that i actually finished um miracochan and i think you had said that it's kind of like a like just this like seeing girl or like girl who sees yeah like Mi- miru means to see and ko is like child so it's yeah. it's like girl girl who can see um and that show is kind of like a comedy horror it definitely has some elements of ecchi, but I would actually say that I had lower expectations coming into it based on a manga. I've never read the manga, but now I might because I really enjoyed this first uh, season of the show. Um, basically, high school girl gets the power to see spirits, and it's one of those things where not a lot of other people do. And at first, it's very isolating, and she's trying to ignore the ghosts, and... You know, it reminded me of being someone who's like a, an active Twitter user. 
just being in the world and moving around in the world and seeing all these horrors that other people don't see and then you're just there and you're like you're like do you not see these these horrors like oh my god like i i related to all the lines under people's eyes in the show (laughs) that just like have troubled sleep but um starts out as ignoring the horrors but then i think it really leaves the etchy world probably within the first couple episodes i'd you know there's one character who's more of that trope like the like the rabbit trope girl who's like the bouncy personality really huge appetite giant they, boobs they like, call that genki <laughs> yeah so um you know i think some of the things around uh that character continue where it's a lot of like um shots of just like up oh, here and there's the jiggle of the boobs okay anyway what was going on in the plot you know I say I think that um, the plot actually really picks up though, and I think that there's a surprising amount of really emotional turns and surprises. Um, and I know that in particular, there's an arc later in the show um, that had me actually like crying when I was watching it. Um, yeah, it kind of it, it surprised me. I didn't know what to expect. I remember seeing the preview for it and just thinking, "Oh, that's a neat idea for a show that's going to be funny," and then. Um, first couple episodes I'm like okay this is a little bit pervier than I thought but then they kind of just drop that and just tell a story that's actually a compelling story and (laughs) the horny ghost show ended up making us cry yeah I actually didn't watch it I only saw the first episode and you know it's a little difficult for uh, I don't know if it was just our Funimation app in particular Um, some episodes I actually had to track down in other places because uh, in Funimation the subtitles would just go away after the intro i've been having issues with that too with some stuff i've watched yeah so half of the series i couldn't even watch it on funimation because there were just no subtitles um and i'm not you know there's enough that you can get from context without understanding the dialogue but understanding dialogue's nice it's Um, it's it's pretty important i'd say it helps Um, (laughs) it helps so you know i think overall this actually surprised me in being one of the shows that i enjoyed the most in the fall i don't know if it's the show i've enjoyed the most out of the season but definitely up there um yeah a little bit of a sleeper hit there i might have to actually check it out i didn't expect it to get um deeper yeah necessarily it gets real that's cool um so i'm gonna have to take a deep breath for this one um Next show is banished from the hero's party i decided to live a quiet life in the countryside you know, got your typical isekai title. However, it's not technically an isekai. It's like a it's a novel adaptation, fantasy, slow burn romance. Um, it takes a lot of the tropes, um, you know, like everyone has a blessing or like a special class or power. Um, there's a demon king that needs defeating. There's the hero that's destined to defeat the demon king. And uh, it takes some of those tropes and plays with them, but then the main character is just like, oh, well, I can't be in the hero's party anymore. I'm just going to go to this quiet town, open an apothecary, um, hang out with this girl with giant boobies. There's a bit of fan service in this one. Um, but it was, I don't know, it uh, for this genre, it was a pretty decent show. Um, but uh, an- another one that's not necessarily super memorable, but... I watched it to the end um, and I because I initially liked what they were doing with uh, like fighting against your blessing and like the idea of free will and like I want to live my life the way I want to and like these limitations that are put on fantasy characters typically like it had some interesting ideas it was playing with but it just kind of felt a little you know low budget and maybe even low effort Um because I've even seen illustrations for the novels and I love the illustrations are good and I like the character design a lot better for the novels than the anime. Mm. So, I don't know. It's a it was a little bit of a bummer, but I also watch a lot of these uh lower tier fantasy shows. I feel like the lower tier fantasy shows there's so many and not even, you know, uh it probably happens with even some of the nicer ones too where the name's so long. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like early 2000s emo where it's like, oh, the it's really, like a fallout boy song, <laughs> like the really long song titles. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just like, help. I was a manager at Red Lobster and then I was crying in the walk in closet and they locked me in. And now I'm reborn as a demon god king in this fantasy world. And I have three people that I am now in charge of help. 
I wonder, season two. I, <laughs> I wonder if there's crossover in the um like the mall emo fan base and these shows because I certainly fall into both categories. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I some of these titles are getting outrageous, but it also so much has been made within these genres that unless they have a really novel, unless like they have a really novel angle, it, it it's hard to not just be a, a repeat. And that one was on Funimation if you wanted to check it out. And uh, speaking of repeats and things coming back, we're going to talk about uh, the second part of Way of the House Husband back on Netflix. Another uh, sort of slice of life comedy. This show followed the uh, as named Tatsu. That sounds right. Uh, the immortal <laughs> dragon. He's a former yakuza turned uh, domestic house husband, and yeah. for his uh, breadwinner wife. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think a lot of the jokes involve playing up the intensity of the gang violence, but then subverting that and turning it into jokes about making cute dishes or learning how to make tapioca or couponing taking dogs for a walk and being a part of the neighborhood association (laughs) and it's one of those shows that for as simple as the setup is the jokes don't get old and i'm constantly laughing the show is so funny um more characters are introduced and it's just one of those things that even though the, the they'll make the joke uh, like in the format that I mentioned before, the, the playing up the intensity and then changing your expectation, they introduce new characters and play that joke over and over again, but it works every time. And um, I'd have to agree. I think the first half was a bit stronger, but what was nice about this second uh, half of the show is that um, you get a little more you know, world building and and character development. And it's sort of like you get repeat characters in a way that it's starting to feel a little more um, three dimensional, Mm -hmm. which is funny given how it's animated so flat. It's it's basically almost more like a a moving manga. Yeah, very much so. The way it's stylized. I would say I, I would definitely recommend it. I love just the 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 speed of it the the way that the jokes work the character i also relate to some of the domestic husbando setup <laughs> and i love the part there's the there's a part with the shiba inu and i love that part mm. oh that was good yeah because i also had a shiba inu growing up and i remember going for walks and how they would scrunch up their head if they didn't want to go <laughs> but shiba inus have really fat necks so like it's just the, the face that the dog makes in the show is, I remember that. And also, actually, my Shiba Inu, the, the collar would slip off a lot because of that. Because oh, no. the neck was so fat, you didn't make it too tight. But then <laughs> the they, would, they would head. shrink, they would pull their head back and then the collar would just come right off. It would just slip right out. Wow. Um, also, shout out to um, a married couple with no kids still yep. buying figures and going to mall pop-ups for their favorite anime shows yeah love that <laughs> and also there's there's a couple of scenes of them like going out and drinking that are absolutely hilarious and i i like the idea of like this successful uh businesswoman and the like reform yakuza just like living it up and i guess also it's worth pointing out that you know so many of the, the shows are about younger people this is about adult it's a you know it's a it's an adult oriented show it's not high school kids it's not give uh, me more adults in anime yeah it's (laughs) it's 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 almost like i would say it hits on some of the parts that like urimichi does where it's like Mm, jokes for adults Mm -hmm. and like um just like you know when i was younger i don't know if i would have found it so funny the ways that he'll go out of his way for a sale and like look for the correct thing like (laughs) but now that we've lived hand to mouth on our own (laughs) yeah um very yeah. relatable. Yeah. So, you know, solid show. Recommend it. Hell yeah, same. Uh, next up is the uh, isekai fantasy show that I actually recommend and really liked, uh, The Faraway Paladin. This one's a novel adaptation, and uh, it is technically an isekai. Like, he's reborn as a baby into this fantasy world where he's discovered by three undead. It's a ghost wizard, a zombie priestess and a skeleton warrior and is raised by them and like it's got this really nice gentle found family vibe and um it's very sweet and then 
the, the pacing's a little slow, but eventually he sets out like halfway through, sets out on a journey. And then I feel like they kind of crunch a lot of the um, story toward the end together. So I don't know. It definitely had some pacing issues. The animation wasn't the best, but I think the character design was really good. And um, I really liked the style of the art, like um, the the lines and the color. And it was just, it was so sweet. And the, the main character... Um, which I don't know, I feel like a lot of the isekai characters tend to be either really annoying or just like rotten or they always refer back to their like previous life. I kept forgetting this was an isekai. Like I kept being like, oh yeah, right. He was reborn into this world because he just like doesn't bring it up much and doesn't mention it. And I think it's very much... uh encouraging all the positive sides of the fantasy stuff without that much of the um toxic stuff that can come up and I also love that like he ends up adventuring with like a cute elf boy that wears bloomers um and bloomer supremacy bloomer supremacy it's fantastic character design and it just it's so good and um luckily there is a season two announced so I'm actually looking forward to that I think it was a really fun show if you're into the fantasy stuff um and it's on crunchyroll if you want to check it out and next i'm going to speak about 86 um i'm not going to say that much because unfortunately there have been some production delays and the final two episodes got delayed until march so the first half of this anime i think aired in the spring of last year and then this is the second core that um was supposed to finish up in the fall, but yeah, we, we're getting those delayed episodes. Um, 86 is a light novel adaptation, and it's like a military sci-fi mecha, maybe romance um, by uh, Studio A1 Pictures. It's really well done. It's I'm not normally a fan of military stuff because it tends to either feel like, you know, either like propaganda or glorifying violence or just an excuse to have action scenes. Um, And I just, I don't like that. But this is really critical of war and the military. And it really does a good job of touching on how like people are dehumanized in order to accept the costs of war and how certain groups of people have to sacrifice in order for other groups of people to like live quote unquote peacefully um, and in, you know, the ignorance is bliss kind of thing. I like that it has the angles of the actual people on the fighting line. I like that it has the angle of the person who works for the military, who is meant to be like a likable protagonistic character, but she's also a part of the mechanism that is subjugating this group of people. And it's like, does a really good job of the internal conflict that can happen in this. And I I don't know, it's just a very thoughtful way to tell a war story that is also really cool and actiony and has mechas and good animation and explosions. <laughs> so it's it's, you know, right now our heroes are in a very perilous situation and it kind of sucks that uh it got delayed. But I would prefer a well-made finale than something that was rushed and put out just to meet a deadline. So thank you to the animators. I appreciate your hard work. Um, And I'm looking forward to March when we're going to get the final two episodes. Yeah. Um, I guess that takes us closer to the end. Speaking of war stories. Yeah. This is a war story for a different direction in the calendar. Not into (laughs) the future, but this one's far into the past. Yeah, the, we're going to talk about the Heike story, um, which is technically an adaptation, but unlike our manga and light novel adaptations, this was actually a uh, historical epic um, telling the rise and fall of the Taira clan in Japan um, in the 13th century, or no, in the 12th century, but it, it was written in the 13th. Oh, yeah, I, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, it takes place during a a war that was happening in the um, 1100s. This one uh, is streaming on Funimation, and it was made by uh, our favorite, house favorite, number one, um, drawing hearts on my notebook around Science Saru. Yep, house that you asked about. Um, 
he's not on this show in particular, this project, but it is a studio that he's very directly involved in. Um, and at least for me with Science Saru, I've come to expect a certain level of like art, um, yes. attention to detail, quality composition, quality sound. Um, I think that the show, um, you know, there's a lot of these series that can take a manga and turn it uh, and give it life. Like you said, the moving manga. This is kind of like it takes like woodblock print inspiration mm -hmm. and and, t and takes those images and brings that to life, which is very stunning. Yeah, the, um, the composition in this show is absolutely phenomenal. And it does. You're right. There, there are scenes that literally feel like it could exist as a still image as a woodblock print. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it follows uh, the main characters, this this uh, person named Biwa. They're, they've heterochromia. One of their eyes can see the future. Um, you know, one sees the present, um, which, you know, comes up in characters throughout <laughs> fiction. I mean, even Cowboy Bebop, Spike has that. I don't know. I can't speak for the live action one, but I know that <laughs> in the anime, even though his eye color is actually very close, uh, one of his eyes is fake. And so one sees the past and one sees the future or the, the present rather, which actually is a lot like um, the character in Heike's story, Shigamori, who takes in Biwa, mm -hmm. takes her under his wing and brings her into the family. And, you know, it's a the, the whole show is about it's a uh, nod to Mono no Aware, which I think to put it in a way that um, I understand it, it's a. Uh, it's a gentle sadness about the awareness of the passing of time, impermanence. And the show's very much about impermanence. You know, it's it's someone living in the moment while also trying to capture the moment and save it um, and witness it. And wit witnessing history, witnessing people. There's a lot of death in it. And this person really takes on the role of telling their story after it's said and done. Um, I think that for me, maybe... Uh, something that felt a little jarring was the the pacing felt a little irregular sometimes there would be moments that they'd spend a lot of time in a scene and then some really key developments in the plot are just kind of like put in montages that it'll be like four minute montage of a ton of stuff happening and then back to a really slow scene or even there were times where it would be like uh there'd be like a general be like i command an attack on here and then the next scene is just like oh, I can't believe we had to deal with that, you know? And it's yeah. like, so So there's a lot of, um, yeah, the the way that time is spent it doesn't match necessarily the pacing of the chronological story. Um, and I do think, like, without the cultural context and the prior knowledge of this story, um, as, like, a Western viewer, uh, it can be a little hard to follow at times. And I remember we watched, like, the first two episodes and then didn't watch for a little bit and then when we went to watch it again I was like we're on like episode five or six right because it's just so dense I had sincerely thought we had watched that much of it um yeah and it it's also just like you mentioned like with science Saru, the expectation of craft like the way that it focuses on small parts of a big story is really beautiful to me because you you, you don't just get it with, oh, the focus on the hair, the eyes, the hands, the feet, like the little motions. Uh, Josh, earlier you were talking about the focus on the nature and, and the way the flowers and foliage change, and especially to represent time. But uh, I also like that it focuses on so much of the domestic life, which having never read the story, I don't know, but I can only assume it spent more time like with the men on the battlefield than like the women in the homes but something that was really beautiful with this that the insert narrator being a young girl is that we both are like viewing it through her eyes because she's meant to be like the narrator but we're also kind of like like she's representing the powerlessness of people as these things happen and especially the uh domestic side of things like and how the home gets disrupted and how the effects of war kind of echo and ripple through the entire like everyone's life but like it, it's not just it's not just focusing on the battlefront but you're also getting the response at home which i think is really 
nice of a historical war story. Yeah. Um, they're, they're able to take that sense of distance in the time and create it while also making it very approachable and real. Mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of hard to pull off that in, in, in both ways. And I think they do a great job with it. I think, you know, like you said, it's dense. So um, I would say that it's not it's not an easy one to binge. I, I wouldn't be able to binge this one. You really have to kind of like take pauses between episodes. It's like not just information. It's also emotionally. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a bit. Uh, yeah, it definitely plays on the feelings. Um, so. Well, and a, a big part of that is the sound design, the music and um, audio. It, it's just gorgeous. It's really, really well done. And I would say like just one other thing um, I had mentioned before with Science Sorrow and the expectations that the sound design and music's really good. Um, this one, again, music was, lived up to that. Very good. I loved the ending song. Um, oh, yeah, that was so good. It was so weird, but it, so good. Yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, I loved it. Um, and it was also one of those that the show just, you know, by the end, you're like sitting there like, either crying or holding back tears and then i think the song would be like all right if you weren't crying yet we're gonna pry it open that that last gap (laughs) that you were holding on to um and yeah the music was done by uh kinsuke shio which he's done actually um a lot with yuasa um Hmm. he's he he did uh, the music for my favorite anime which is ping pong he also did devil man crybaby oh wow um and he's working on the music for the upcoming show that's going to destroy us when it comes out as Chainsaw Man. No. And I mean that in a good way. But like I'm going to be wrecked. Yeah. I think um, Chainsaw Man is coming for everyone. Uh, that's, you know, if it, if it happens to come out this year, go to 2022 Best Anime, calling it now. Um <laughs> Will Denji be best boy? I don't know. We'll see. We'll <laughs> um, see. Quite relatable. But uh, yeah, I think I think something else about the Heike story, um, which I forget if I mentioned this, but it's on Funimation if you want to watch, uh, is its rewatchability. I think it's something that I will find myself watching again in a year or so, like because I think so much happens that you'll pick up on more on a rewatch and you might have a better understanding of like who the various characters are. And now that you know their full arc, you can kind of like piece it together better. Um, That's why I think epics tend to be really well suited to oral tradition um, Mm -hmm. because retelling it, it like there's a lot of value in retelling it. Um, However, I think just visually it's such a treat that, I'm going to want to come back to it. Like earlier, I mentioned how uh, Tact Opus Destiny or Opus Destiny is kind of just icing like this is the whole damn cake. Mm-hmm. And then take that cake and turn it into an even bigger cake. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> talk about, you know, beautiful animation, heartwarming, tear-wrenching series. Perfect. Like <laughs> this, this show was the biggest... I was sincerely surprised by this show. Um, We're talking about Ranking of Kings. Yes. Which I had to almost force Josh to watch. I was like, please, like, just, just, it's so good. You have to check it out. Give it two episodes. (laughs) Yeah. I think we, when we had done the initial E1, kind of just hopping through all the first episodes, I thought that this show was cute. I thought that the animation was nice. It kind of has that storybook um, Mm -hmm. kingdom kind of, it almost reminded me of like a Ghibli kind of, you know, you have like your the 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 fields with the the grass being blown in the wind and like the little like children and oh well, yeah, that. and the character design is a little rounder. It's a little more cartoony, like yeah. in the Western sense. It's soft. There's like almost like mm-hmm. it's it's almost like a watercolor a lot of it. Um, Ranking of Kings, like Mirakuchan, very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and it's a it's another manga adaptation. Uh, you know, obviously based on what we just talked about, kind of like fantasy. There's action. There's it's you know the growth of this. You're like rooting for the underdog. Uh, and um, it's airing on Funimation. Um, we're also only getting the first half of it this season. Uh, the second half is currently airing, so luckily we didn't have to wait. 
Um, I think it's going to be like the full 24 episodes or something. But uh, it just, it's so well crafted. Like the Mm -hmm. animation is gorgeous. The storyline is really cool. Like the main character is um, a prince who was born uh, deaf and then is essentially mute because he is deaf. Like he he can make sounds, but um I guess never learned to speak because of his deafness. And uh he's like very small, even though he's the son of a giant. And it's it's just such a good underdog story, but at the same time is almost like nothing I've seen before. It's very refreshing. Um the characters, even though it's a very simple style that feels cartoony and comic-y or um, uh, storybook-y, are actually very complicated. And their intentions, like, I think your first impressions of a character are wrong most of the time. And they do a really good job of setting you up to think it's going to be a certain kind of show. And then goes in a different direction um so if you're like if you didn't check it out because you thought it looked childish um it's not there's violence to the point that it made me uncomfortable actually at points and i'm like wow this cartoon violence is actually feeling visceral which Um, is impressive i would say almost in a way like a maiden abyss yes how you have it very picturesque and it looks like a children's book and then all of a sudden something really grotesque is happening and you're like wow i did not expect them to do this Um, i don't think it's quite as bad at least so far as made in abyss mm. well just for the the um the oh my god why are we lingering on this oh my god this is gratuitous but there is just there's a lot at least in part one yeah yeah we're only halfway through (laughs) winter season's a little different uh i feel like the first couple episodes i've been a little grossed out by yeah that's true um but yeah, I think rank, Ranking of Kings is a very heartwarming story. I think also it's it reminds me, um, in a sense, even like Comey, how it's about the strength of people that others think might not be strong. Like, oh, yeah. if you... Like, there's a part with uh, some characters in town where there's uh, essentially like, like someone who's uh, severely handicapped, like asking for help and uh, the one... You know, one of the characters is like, oh, I'd, I'd kill myself if I was like that. And then the other person's like, oh, what? You're not strong enough to live that way. And yeah, like it's, it's like saying that the person living their life, despite how hard it is, is stronger. Yeah. Because they're co- choosing and, to continue to live. And so I think a lot of the shows, you know, at least with those two shows, I really liked how they pointed to those sort of things. And especially like the, the willingness to get up and keep fighting like as a virtue, as a strength and yeah, ranking okay. Super, super touching it, on the heart. This it, I, for me, it's, it definitely became a top 2021, mm-hmm. you know, nothing has beaten Sunny boy, <laughs> but. <laughs> well, and, and I feel like in a way it, it like, <laughs> I love that so many shows boil down to just the basic message of don't give up. Mm-hmm. But like I I think that the more realistic the storyline is, the more sincere that message can be. You know, don't get me wrong, I love my kind of basic shonen like Black Clover, but that's like I'm never gonna give up because I'm stubborn. Whereas this is a little more nuanced, um, and just really well told. Yeah. Um Oh it's- okay, wait. Denji can have best boy of 2022 if Boji gets best boy of 2021. Oh, I voted for him in the anime <laughs> awards. I know we don't talk politics, but I voted for Boji. <laughs> Stop bringing your politics into this house. Yeah. That is not, she is not the best waifu. Don't tell me who you voted for. Um, yeah, I would definitely say that Boji is... An inspiration, a true king, a mm. show, a show that um, every character, no matter how bad you think they are, it seems like there's going to be redemption and mm-hmm. at least the opportunity for forgiveness. Because you know, the mirror on the wall says that he is the strongest in the land, even though a lot of people haven't uh, been convinced of his power yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ranking wow. kings, yeah. What and a it- what a beautiful show! I really can't wait to see how it finishes up this season which you know i think that being a show that is airing now as well you know we have a little bit of time talk Ooh. about talk about winter oh, a little segue into winter just a, little a quick sled quick preview ride preview 
Just give you a little, little preview wonder. So you... out of all the episode ones we've watched so far, mm-hmm. um, what are you liking the most for mm. winter 2022? There is the Sakui Bisco <laughs> show. Or Sabi Kui Bisco. Sa- Sabi Kui, yeah. Um, with the crabs and I the mushrooms. It. I love it. It's like the perfect weird. I think that show has been very oh, interesting. So, I'm I'm so excited for that. <laughs> definitely, um, definitely really interesting. Great, I, great world building. I I mean I think my my uh, personal favorite right now out of like the new series is my dress up darling. Yeah, that's, that's that one is good. That's pretty. That's it's a little horny. But it's oh, very it's hor- gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, it's horny. It's, it's it's very horny. Not even I a mean, little. I mean, okay, l- listener, you watch <laughs> anime too. How many friends do you have to talk to where you explain a story? And you're like, it's really good. It's really horny, but but it's really good. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like I'm constantly saying that to people. I also, you know, Golden Boy is also one of my favorite anime. It's a hard one to explain to people without bringing up how fucking horny it is. Yeah, I mean, it, and it, there are just some porns you watch for the plot I'm, ju- I'm just kidding it's not that bad it's no. not straight up no uh, uh, hentai that, that, or anything that, that, that would probably be more of world ends harem oh god i haven't i haven't I watched haven't, it yet yeah but... i haven't started it but i plan on it <laughs> <laughs> you're like i want to see them titties i want to see the the interesting censorship that they do yeah no um, actually in my in my beautiful excel sheet for um the seasonal anime the genre i put world ends harem in is just one man fucks yeah, but I also think the point is he's trying not to fuck. So oh, and also we'll um, see. And uh, the other one from Cloverworks, because my dress up darling so far has been what I think has been the best animation. Oh god, I've it's seen. incredible. Um, and also, it's it's also about like cosplay and yeah. hobbies and craft and excitement over that and uh, just like as someone who is into fashion and sewing, the time they spend on the draw like drawing the fabric and the method it's, it's just it's beautiful like they, yeah. they spend just as much time lovingly drawing the little like lips and boobs as they do the like craft which i really appreciate well and like it being cloverworks i think this actually the style like the animation style is actually re- very reminiscent to wonder egg priority mm-hmm. from the year before um yeah. especially the the one character who was like a pop idol with the blonde hair R- rika Yeah, it escapes me right now, but I very reminded of her her Mm -hmm. specifically the way that the main character in that in Dress Up Darling is drawn. I also think something too, like something that's nice about the Dress Up Darling, and it's an important message, especially like for the male audience. That um, you know, maybe maybe it's it's wrong to frame it that way, but like there's moments where the main character or like the the main male character has to like stop himself and become self-aware that he gets too obsessed with her looks and appearance but um but like has to remind himself of the um genuine passion for these things and um really takes to heart the excitement about cosplay and tries to take kind of take a step back from the objectification of the body and more is like this is actually this is something that that this person is putting all of their heart into what am i doing just looking at them as like a hot person i need to like cuz she's willing to meet me with my well, passion i also I, think i think the first introduction to her he is like also just his first thing that like clicks in his head is like she's just as obsessed with her thing that she loves as I am obsessed with my thing that I love. And I like that the intro to their relationship is uh, that appreciation. And then he ends up in situations where he ends up kind of starting to objectify her. But it's not like he went into it that way and then learned she was a whole person. Like, I feel like that's why this works better than so many other etchy or like things that kind of start that way is it's like a lot of times you first get the objectification then you're like oh but they're a real person whereas with him if anything he was just like wow she's popular people like her she's got it all but then it's like the him opening his eyes to her feels like it's more because he sees 
her like depth as a someone who has a passion yeah and 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 it's like they and they're more equals in this Mm -hmm. process like you know i i i think it's a detail that um might have been left out so i might be repeating it but um the the main character the main male character uh comes from a family of doll makers Mm -hmm. um so he is trying to get better at uh, making like traditional japanese dolls and um his expertise is in making clothes for the dolls um so you know him and the other main character connect because he's a sewer mm-hmm. and she needs help making cosplay um costumes yeah <laughs> and uh that's what gets them together but <laughs> yeah so yeah. i'm i you know we'll see where my dress up darling goes obviously it has plenty of room to um crash and burn but it looks beautiful and i'm hoping they do a good job with it oh and with cloverworks history with wonder egg i'm really mm-hmm. worried about a crash mm-hmm. and burn yeah on the production side well yeah. the one thing to keep in mind is that uh wonder egg was an original production mm-hmm. whereas this is a manga adaptation That's, that is true so i do feel like if they do run into issues it'll just more be the quality of the animation I don't think the story will crash and burn as a as cohesive yeah. piece. What I, I meant more like crash and burn, just like off the rails or, you know, you, you don't, That's, we don't yeah. know where the story is going. They're okay. setting up a um, potential relationship and we don't know what'll happen, but I have high hopes. One that I'm pretty excited for also is a uh, tribe nine. That, that looks really fun. It's like future baseball warring gangs (laughs) like and it's also i think that's the one that's from the same some of the same creators of um akudama drive Mm -hmm. which came out about a year ago and that was fantastic yeah um another one uh is sasaki and miyano it's like a really soft cute school bl romance um and it just it just seems sweet. It seems like one of those really low stakes, maybe slow burn, maybe not. Um, just heartwarming shows. I hope it doesn't um, turn too drama because I feel like my heart can't take it right now. But uh, I look forward to watching it. It's very cutesy. Um, it feels like a little older the way that like it's got like, you know, the shoujo or be shoujo like flower petals and and like little shapes that appear when characters get flustered and it just it seems so sweet and i'm just happy to have something like simple and uh relaxing like that and of course uh we're getting uh part two of the case studies of vanitas uh this season which is the sexy vampire show i talked about it um in the summer or no, is it continuing now? No, it's continuing from fall, mm-hmm. uh, just like Ranking of Kings. And then, you know, already mentioned Demon Slayer coming out. There's Attack on Titan, the final part two. Um, so there's there's a lot. I'm I'm a lot of good continuations, but I'm also pretty excited about a lot of the new stuff coming out. Yeah. There's, um, there's also the racquetball one that looks cool. Speaking oh, of yeah. wanting more shows with adults. Yeah. That is, <laughs> um, I definitely am s- interested in that. I love badminton. A salary man's club. Or yeah. I said racquetball. Or is it badminton or racquetball? I'm mixing them up. I'm I- pretty, pretty <laughs> sure. I think it's badminton. Um. Pretty sure it's badminton. Okay. Racquetball is much more intense. Oh, okay. Oh, it's That's the one where you wear the goggles and all the walls you you can bounce it off of. And that's not pickleball? <laughs> No. I don't know all these sports. However, no. pickleball is when you pickle. Oh, huh. uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that one's called Salary Man's Club, and I haven't seen the first episode yet. But it just looks fun, and again, I'm I want to at least check out the ones that have adults in it because we're getting old, and it's more relatable when they have jobs. <laughs> yeah. So that about wraps up our seasonal discussions. Uh, we will be back uh, to follow up and let y'all know if any of these winter 2022 shows, uh, if they hit the mark, if they uh, disappoint us, um, if there's something you absolutely have to watch. You'll you'll hear. Yeah. And you don't have to watch it. I'm just going to complain. And then, of course, uh, 
little reminder, um, we have a, a full club meeting soon coming out, the um, Stranger by the Shore. Oh, yeah, that's my uh, I'm going to be hosting that episode, uh, making everyone watch the cute uh, romance Oceanside movie. I actually haven't seen it yet, so I'm going in um, unaware here. So besides that, I'm just going to keep things moving along. Um, if you want to follow us on socials, um, you can follow the Twitter at crybaby underscore anime and Instagram at crybaby underscore anime club. There's also a TikTok in the works. <laughs> we'll have more details when that's up and running. And yeah, there's a Discord now. If you want to reach out, send a send an email to the to the show or reach us on socials and join the conversation because it you know it continues beyond the media that we make um always talking about anime but back soon thanks for listening keep crying (laughs) keep crying and if you watch these shows you probably will yes (laughs) i guarantee it it's the crybaby promise all right catch you later bye bye